Thanks for joining us today. Throughout the program, you'll notice this graphic. It's there so you know we would love to pray with you. You can give us a call or go online. Also, this is a great way to keep in touch with us. We're finishing up the series Stand by taking communion together. We've been learning about the blood of Christ and today we take a look at the new covenant. God made a promise with Abraham and he fulfilled that promise, that covenant, with the blood of Jesus. Let's take a look at what that is in the covenant keeping kindness. Today I'm going to finish a series on uh, the secrets to effective spiritual warfare with our last message on the blood of Jesus. Romans 3 verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or a sacrifice by faith in his blood. Faith in his blood. So we've been talking about the blood of Jesus. It's by that blood that we were redeemed, that we have access to God, that we have forgiveness, that we have authority, that we have redemption. It's through his blood. Old Testament, the priest went in to the place that the blood was put into the holy place where the ark was. And above the mercy seat, the top of the ark was where God said, my presence will be. That's where I'll meet with you. And he would go in once a year, never without blood, and put that blood on the mercy seat. But Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Jesus took his blood into the temple in heaven and put his blood on that mercy seat. And the Bible tells us that that blood is always in the presence of God. God can see that blood continually. And Hebrews 12 said that blood is speaking. And it's saying mercy, forgiveness, deliverance, provision. That blood is speaking on your behalf. It says, so let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, by the way, with the blood, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. When it's talking about an evil conscience, it's talking about the things that condemn us. It's talking about imperfect behavior. It's saying because the blood is on the mercy seat, all those sins, they're covered, they're gone, and we can come with boldness into the presence of God. So in Genesis chapter 2, 12, excuse me, God comes to Abraham and makes promises to Abraham and says, this is what I'm going to do for you, right? And then a few years go by, and God has told Abraham he's going to have a child. But a quarter of a century passes, and there's no child. So Abraham's approaching 100 years old. Right? No children, but God said, you know, you're going to have a child, and you're going to have descendants, and they're going to possess the gates of their enemies. So in Genesis 15, God's talking with Abraham again. All right? And... God brought him outside and said, hey, look up towards the heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. He said, so shall your descendants be. And it says that Abraham, he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. You're never saved because of your behavior. You're always saved by believing God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So then he said to God, or God said, you know, he said, I, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and you're going to inherit this land. And, and Abraham said, how can I know for sure that this is going to happen? How can I know? 
I'm getting old. Getting up there. I'm, nine, I'm 90 years old, 99 years old, no kids. Sarah's 90. God, how can I know that this is going to happen? And God said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And again, when we hear that, we think barbecue. <laughs> Get out the grill, Abraham. All right. But that's not at all what's happening. All right. This is not about a barbecue. All right. And then the Bible says that Abraham takes those animals and he cuts them in half and he puts them on altars. So this was, the, this was how a covenant was made. All right. The animals are split. They're put on altars and there's just blood everywhere. And then what the people do is they walk through those animals and making figure eights going around these split animals and their feet are just covered in blood and they're making promises to each other. So Abraham, he splits those animals and he's waiting for God to show up. He knows God's going to show up and they're going to make this covenant together. Now this would be kind of like the equivalent of you winning all of Bill and Melinda Gates' money. This 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 is huge. And he's waiting and the Bible says he falls asleep. How I many of you know you do not fall asleep when a check for $35 billion is on the way? You just don't. But he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, the Bible says that a smoking furnace and a flaming torch show up and they walk through the pieces. And they're making these figure eights, going through these pieces. And they're talking to each other. And they're making promises. And Abraham sleeps through the same, the whole thing. But now one of those is Abraham's representative. Because it says on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. So the two walk through and they make promises to each other. And it says, now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. Is Galatians 3.16. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So God the Father and Jesus showed up, well, Abraham sleeping, and they walk through those, those animals cut in half, and they make promises to each other. And let me just assure you, every promise that's made, was made, is going to come to pass. It says, and on that day, God made a covenant with Abraham. One was Abraham's representative. And the Bible tells us here who it was. It was Christ. But the 29th verse says, if you be Christ, how many are, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what God promised there to Abraham, there are certain things that just belong to his physical descendants, but there's a whole lot of things that belong to everybody who is in Christ. If you're in Christ, these promises belong to you. Now, the thing about covenant is this. You've got to be willing to lay down everything. So God wants to make sure Abraham 
is in on the covenant, that he's all in. So the child was born, gets to be about 20 years old. Genesis chapter 22. God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son. And I want you to go to Mount Moriah. Now, by the way, Mount Moriah is where Jerusalem is. In fact, the Temple Mount is on Mount Moriah. In fact, if you go there today, you'll see, if you see pictures of Jerusalem, you see that big gold dome. And right under that dome is the spot where Abraham brought his son. And he said, God said, I want you to take him there and I want you to sacrifice him. And you know the story. They get there. He puts him on the altar. He raises that knife and a voice comes from heaven and says, stop. Don't do that. He says, now I know you're willing. The angel of the Lord spoke from heaven the second time to Abraham. I swear, God's sure word, because you have gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son, I will bless you. Oh, how I will bless you. And I will make sure that your children flourish. And your descendants, they will defeat their enemies. And all the nations of earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you have obeyed me. Now, Abraham was willing to give his son part of the covenant relationship. So he's leaving that mountain, and this is what he said, Jehovah Jireh. Now, we typically just say the Lord will provide, but every one of you who has a center column reference Bible, you just look, and this is what he actually said. In this mountain, it will be provided. He was willing to give his son, so God gave his son. He was in covenant relationship with God. Everything he had, he had to be willing to give to God. And what he was willing to give to God, God was willing to give back. And, of course, if, if you were to stand there under that dome of the rock and could make the walls disappear, first of all, the wall, the dome of the rock, and then the, 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 the city wall to the east, if it would just disappear, in probably four stone's throws, five, six, you would be standing at a place called Golgotha, the very spot where God gave his son for you. And he gave his son because Abraham was willing to give his son. And then he said, oh, how I am going to bless you. And Israel began to walk in that. He said, this is to you. It's to your seed, his descendants. Right? Now, the, the, the word that's used all through the Old Testament, you typically find it translated in English as mercy or kindness. It's the Hebrew word hesed. And it, it actually means covenant-keeping kindness or love. The theological book of Old on the Old Testament the, the, of, of uh, Hebrew words says it this way. Hesed, it's, it's God's hesed was not basically mercy, but loyalty to his covenant obligations. Loyalty to God's covenant obligations. Now, now that word, you find it is, is just mercy. You find it is kindness. But it's covenant keeping, love, kindness, and mercy. Found all through the Old Testament. For example, in Psalms 136, it's used in every verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy. 
His covenant-keeping kindness endures forever. Verse 10, it says, to him who struck Egypt in their firstborn for his covenant-keeping kindness, his hased, his mercy, his covenant love endures forever. Who brought out Israel from among them for his hased, his covenant-keeping love and kindness endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two for his covenant-keeping promise, love, mercy, favor, it endures forever. Who made Israel pass through the midst for his covenant-keeping love endures forever. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the sea for his covenant-keeping love endures forever. In fact, in Isaiah, it says, since you're precious in my sight and have been honored and I've loved you, therefore I will give men for you and people for your life. One of the, one of the, one of the, the examples that, that might help us understand this is David and King Saul's son, Jonathan. When David kills Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Jonathan is just like, just like drawn to him. And so in the 18th chapter, third verse, it says they make a covenant. They make a covenant, the two of them. And, and you remember how later Jonathan's father, Saul, was trying to kill David. The Bible says he was his enemy and he sought to kill him every day. But Jonathan continued to be his friend, continued to help him. In fact, provided a way for him to escape. Right? And later David becomes king. Jonathan has died in battle. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness, Hasid, covenant, kindness, mercy, favor for Jonathan's sake? You know, that Hasid, it's unearned, it's undeserved, it's unexpected. These men, they had a covenant, and now David is saying, I'm going to take care of Jonathan's descendants because of that covenant. He says, is there anybody that I can show this covenant kindness and faithfulness to? Now, here's what he didn't say. Is there anybody of King Saul's line or, or Jonathan's line who could serve me and help me? Not is there anybody who's got some skills that I could use? Not is there anybody with military experience who can help me against the Philistines? Not is there anybody who's a really good person who deserves this? But just is there anybody that I can show covenant kindness to for Jonathan's sake because of my relationship with Jonathan and the king is asking around and and finally he finds out yet yeah, Jonathan has a son and he's lame in his feet and the bible says he's in Lodabar now by the way Lodabar is a ghetto town near Gilead right the definition that I found was this not having being in, in lack, no pasture, no word, no communication. It's a poverty place. It's a forgotten place. It's a desolate place. A town where you would find the lost, the unskilled, the uneducated, the, the disenfranchised, the outcast of society. And there is Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, David's best friend's son, who he's in covenant relationship with in Lodabar. And he's lame in his feet. He couldn't work, he's deformed, he's crippled, he's ashamed, he cannot function normally. And the custom of the day was when a new king came in, a new family line, what they would do is they would kill the old family line. 
That way there was no chance of a revolution. Nobody could try to usurp their place. But instead of doing that, David calls him in and says, I want to show him covenant favor, covenant love, covenant kindness, covenant relationship. And they, they bring Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, to David. And he said he fell on his face and he prostrated himself before him. And then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here's your servant. And he said, don't fear. I will surely show kindness. Hasid, covenant kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land that was Saul, your grandfather's. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. It's a story of mercy. But it's really a story of covenant love, of Hasid. It's a story of someone who did not deserve it, did not expect it. In the natural, he was disqualified. It was unearned, but yet it was given because of covenant relationship. The Bible says, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That promise includes extravagant favor, his compassion, in spite of our flawed condition. Nothing about us can disqualify us from that covenant love. We are called to God's table. Psalms 23, David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He said, my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. That's the word said. Covenant keeping kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the natural, we would be God's enemies. Slaves, crippled by our own sins, excluded, disenfranchised, outside, marginalized, living in our own ghetto town, produced by our own sinfulness. But we've got a covenant with God. Not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But it also says, knowing that you were redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus, with his blood, he redeemed you. He purchased you back. He took us from our fallen condition and we become part of a covenant relationship with God. He redeemed you with his blood. Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Why did he redeem you? He redeemed you from that the blessings of Abraham might come. If you want to know what they look like, look at, at Deuteronomy 29, the first 15 verses. But he redeemed you from the curse. And that curse included poverty, shame, rejection, fruitlessness, uselessness, fear, failure, the curse of sickness and disease, to be the tail and not the head, to borrow and not lend, to be worthless, inadequate, and inefficient. But you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Because if you're Christ, you are Abraham's seed. You're heirs according to the promise. That Old Testament, they had no access into God's presence just once a year. 
They, uh, the priest could go in to the place where God's presence was and put that blood on the mercy seat and ask for forgiveness. But the Bible tells us today to come boldly to the throne of grace. That's literally the mercy seat where the blood of Jesus is because Jesus' blood did not cover sin. Jesus' blood took sin away. And more than that, it bought us back from our fallen condition and brought us into covenant relationship with God. We have access into his presence all the time through the blood, through the blood of Jesus. What a redemption we have. Hebrews 10 says, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This is what he said. I took care of everything anybody's ever going to do. Nothing you can ever do is going to surprise God. Nothing you could ever do could separate you from God. See, the blood of Jesus on that mercy seat paid for your sin. That blood is speaking in your behalf, in my behalf today. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Now, every time you take communion, hey, get, get, your, get your little little things out here, all right? We're going to take communion together. Because communion is about the blood, and it's about the covenant. That's what it's about. It's about the covenant. Now, if you're watching, uh, you might not have these symbols. Go get yourself a Coke and a Dorito. We're going <laughs> to get you covered here, all right? Just find something. Find something. Okay. 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And really what the body does is the body brings benefits to us. David said, forget not all his benefits, who heals all your iniquities, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The benefits through his broken body. He said to take it, and as often as you do, remember me. Now, he's not saying just, just remember all the miracles that he did. He's saying remember that I redeemed you. Remember I shed my blood for you. And you can take the body. And in the same manner, he took the cup after the sup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's the new covenant in my blood. Now, now, look at me for just a moment. Moses went up on Mount Horeb and he received the Ten Commandments. That is referred to, by the way, in the Bible as the Old Covenant. But the new one is actually the original one he made with Abraham. Because Jesus, when he shed his blood, he sealed that covenant. He fulfilled that covenant. And that covenant came into total power when Jesus took his blood and put his blood on the mercy seat. It is called the new covenant. That Abraham's blessings are yours. That you are redeemed from the curse by Jesus' blood. And he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the blood, 
You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's at his death that he shed his blood. Take this symbol that represents the blood of Jesus. Every time that we take communion, we should be thinking about Jesus' blood that he shed, that he put on the mercy seat in heaven, that is in the presence of God, that's speaking right now on your behalf and on my behalf. Every time, but not just when we take communion. That, that blood is in God's presence 24-7, 365. That blood is speaking in your behalf 24-7, 365. And every day we need to be remembering that that blood redeemed us, that that blood gives us access, that blood gives us authority, that blood gives us peace with God. It's the things that we receive by the blood. Let me close with Hebrews 8. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry in that he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant, the one with Moses, had been faultless, there would have been no place fought for a sought for a second. And that he says a new covenant. He has made the first one obsolete. In other words, you don't, you're not made righteous by what you do. Now that is becoming what is becoming obsolete is old. And it's vanishing away. But the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, has obtained an eternal, complete redemption for you and for me. So if you've been watching today and you realize in your heart, there's this tug. God is pulling on your heart. But you know I'm not right with God. I don't know where I stand with God. I'm away from God. And you'd say, I want forgiveness. I want to be right with God. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to invite you to bow your head and to pray this prayer. Make these words your own. Just say this from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that you forgive me, that you make me a new person on the inside, that I'm a part of your family, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his free book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to our website to request a copy be mailed to you, or you can download it there. Either way, it's absolutely free. When you check out walkingbyfaith.tv, you can also purchase a copy of today's message, Covenant Keeping Kindness, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the giving option that's right for you. We hope you'll have a great week. We'll see you next time.